listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. We've got Isaacs in our ears uh, doing up graphs of everything we say. And I really <laughs> thought you guys were going to get on board with more of a radio speak this time. I was trying to push you into the, I'm Mitch Alexander. <laughs> I'm Tom McLean. There we I go. I thought I was yeah. doing radio speak. <laughs> <laughs> I really want us to break into that FM market. I reckon there's a good future of not good enough being on Triple M. And I really want to tap that market. No, I, I think I have more high school debater voice, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm 2AM conspiracy channel. You're listening to Evie and the Boys. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be focusing on climate change inaction from the government. We've got a bit of a retrospective of Scott Morrison's um, just total fucking uselessness when it comes to climate because the Liberal Party have released their uh, climate technology roadmap, super cool, funky, <laughs> going to help everyone not it's- to enrich their like, corporate donors roadmap thing. That's totally useless and we decided to dismantle it. It's mostly interesting because it's like the latest iteration of how can they do less than nothing? How can they actually go backwards on climate (laughs) while still superficially appearing to be a government? Um, And it's... (laughs) It's it's like when you watch someone on a sitcom like dig themselves deeper, deeper into a hole and you go, how the fuck are they going to get out of this one? Any minute now, everyone will twig that they're lying, but yet they somehow still keep getting away with it. So <laughs> just the it's, further down it's into it's the impressive. hole they dig, you just like they can't keep getting away with it. You're, you're just going to be stuck in that hole for it. But oh, every time the shovel hits the ground, they get wealthier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so like twenty minutes into an episode of Frasier, he's he's pretending to be the king of Sweden, and you know, or whatever. That's pretty much the Morrison government here with climate what? change. <laughs> Oh, that classic episode of Fraser where you he's know. pretending to be the king of Sweden. They pretended to be the Romanovs. He says for ages. a lie. Yeah, <laughs> he says a lie, and it, and he has to then back it up, and then they find themselves trying to run a country. Um, <laughs> don't push me on my analogies. So before we get into the climate roadmap that was released earlier this week. I wanted to give a bunch of context and just a, like a very brief sort of overview of the Scott Morrison government and how they have just completely fucking like deliberately dropped the ball over and over. Like Lang said, they are committed to doing less than nothing. And when we were doing some research for this pod about the roadmap itself, I just kept going back to these different moments and I had these like horrible flashbacks to shit that Morrison's done and like, oh fuck. It just recontextualizes everything to 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 place it in the context of just the next in a line of horrible, shitty things the Morrison government has done. Yep. Are we going to do a, uh, a Christmas Carol format uh-huh. for this episode? <laughs> We've got the, the ghost of climate past, the ghost of climate present, and then at the end of the episode, we'll like flash to the future where we're just looking at the corpse of humanity. <laughs> there's a gravestone that says Scott Morrison did this. And we'll be like, well. <laughs> yeah, there's no ghost of climate future unless we really get our act together. So, <laughs> yeah. what? No, that- um, <laughs> that's not what a ghost is. Anyway. All right. Anyway. <laughs> the first thing is just for me, remembering that Scott Morrison was the chud that brought the piece of coal into parliament in 2017. Mm. We love coal, folks. It's it's absurd. I think we all have the idea of like the time that coal was brought into parliament. But you've got to remember that when he was treasurer in 2017, 
Scott Morrison was the person who brought that big lump of coal into Parliament. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't be scared. Won't the Treasurer you. knows the rule on props. Going back over the footage for this episode, I didn't realise how crazed he was about it. Like, it was just a little prop that he pulled out of his pocket and then put back. No, they made a whole thing about it. They pass yeah. it around with glee. It's a pantomime. He screams hysterically about it. He's like, It's coal. It was dug up by men and women who work and live in the electorates of those who sit opposite. It's coal in opposition. He just, he loses his fucking mind. At one point, um, he even says, Mr. Speaker, there's no official word for coal phobia. Mr. Speaker, those opposite have an ideological, pathological fear of coal. There's no word for colophobia officially, Mr. Speaker, but that's the malady that afflicts those opposite. You're mental. It's serious high school debating stuff. No one likes an energy source or a mineral this much. What are you doing? The way him and Barnaby Joyce look at that piece really troubles me, though. Like, <laughs> it's real want to fuck this piece of coal vibes. It's You guys know where that piece of coal came from, though. It's quite interesting. The ground. No. Well, yes. Duke and Gore. Um, no, no, no. That piece, that, that was iron. Dinosaur. Um, that piece of coal was given to them by the Mineral Council um, and actually lacquered, because that's black coal. You can't handle that without getting coal dust all over your hand. They lacquered it so they could pass it around wearing their nice white shirts and things right so his fucking thing of like oh it's just coal it won't hurt you it's fine <laughs> it's like yeah because you you got it lacquered oh man but the point is is that was given to him by an industry coal body to pass around in the house of government so he's literally advertising in parliament yeah it's propaganda yeah at the behest of the council the mm. thing that gets me about that stunt is i have no problem with coal it's just a rock it Who is cares? just a rock <laughs> He brought it into Parliament to demonstrate that it's fine and you shouldn't be scared of it, but he didn't have the balls to fucking set it on fire. <laughs> yep. Burn the coal in Parliament, you yeah. little shit. That's what people are worrying. You're we'll like, who's oh, scared it's then. just inert coal not being consumed for energy. What's your problem with that? No problem. That's what I want. <laughs> it's my favourite kind of coal. <laughs> um, the other thing for me on the like historical aspect of this is that you need to keep in mind that Scott Morrison is our Prime Minister because he rolled Turnbull. And the reason why he had the political capital to roll Turnbull was because Turnbull was trying <clears throat> to take very, very minimal action on climate change. There's the whole thing about the National Energy Guarantee. We won't get into it, but essentially, Turnbull put forward the NEG and said, hey, can we do like the bare minimum to look like we're fighting climate change? And half the Liberal Party went, fucking no! Our corporate donors <laughs> do not want that. Our actual bosses will not allow it. And they rolled Turnbull. And Scott Morrison is in power now, and he knows why he is in power now. It's because of the, the Mineral Council, fossil fuel executives, and all those lobbyists and donors. Mm. Turnbull's whole brand was, what if there was a Liberal Party leader that wasn't a raving psychopath? Because he came in just after Abbott. <laughs> and, then, and then we tried that for a little while. Didn't work for us. Didn't nah, work nah, for nah. us. Everyone involved in the Liberal Party went, oh, this guy steps perilously close to being a functioning human being with regard for the truth. Get him out of there. The, uh, situations like this, like the incrementalism, the, the, this shows why it never works because- the opposite side is always going to knock you down. So why not just go for broke? Like yeah. Turnbull just tried for like the tiny little thing and the Liberal Party was just like, no, and just immediately wiped it out. So that's why it really, like it bothers me even more when the Labor Party does incrementalism themselves because mm. you're in, like in the few situations when they're in power and they, you know, get challenged on doing it, go do it, do the big thing. But they've also got yeah. corporate interests. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, all of the, all of this in, this entire episode has to be um, listened to 
with the context that the Labor Party is functionally just as bad. Yeah, we're barely going to talk about Labor, but they're fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, the only reason we're not talking about Labor in this context is because, like, they are, admittedly, as bad as the Liberal Party, but they're also a bunch of fucking losers, so we don't have to talk about them. Like, they can't even get into power to do this shit. Arguably, in some ways, they are morally worse than the Liberal Party. But anyway, <laughs> we're not going to argue about them. <laughs> we're just going to leave that fact out there and you can deal with it. <laughs> so Scott Morrison gets in power. Um, at this annoying time when the world has realised that climate change is a thing we need to do something about <clears throat> because the global economy, you know, exists on the planet in the climate. We need that all to work. And so we've got this we've got this Paris Agreement where every country in the world that has agreed to this agreement, which includes Australia, says we're going to meet certain emission levels. We're going to reduce our emissions or keep them at a low rate. Um, and Scott Morrison's alien overlords are not big on that. And so he comes up with this thing. Uh, called rollover credits. He's going to use carbon credits because we met the previous agreement, Kyoto, the Kyoto Agreement, which was a bit more lax. We we did okay according to that. And and he says, because we did okay with that, we don't need to worry about Paris so much. We're going to use some of our credit from that previous one. And every other country in the world goes, but that, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you You can't do that. This is a separate... The whole point here is we're trying to lower our emissions. Um, and the classic example is, no, but I, I went under the speed limit for a while. And so now I'm going to go over the speed limit a bit um, because I did extra good back there and it evens out. And everyone goes, no, the whole point is that we're all under the speed limit. We're, we're, <laughs> and our speed is decreasing constantly. It's not going up a bit because you went down a bit. We want it as low as possible. I, I really like the analogy of, uh, like, a share house organizing a dishes roster. Yeah. And so they're all like, all right, we've got to make sure that, like, everybody does all the, the sort of the, the dishes that they're responsible for. Scott Morrison, like, rolls in and he's like, um, I'm not going to do any dishes because the guy that lived in my room before me did tons of dishes. Yeah. And I reckon that should cancel out. <laughs> because when we were doing okay on the climate, that was back when we had, like, a carbon tax and things with Labor. And then the Liberals came in. They went, fuck all that noise. We don't want to do anything. But also, can we get some credit for how good those guys did? All that work that we undid? Can we get credit for that? Yeah. And it's 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 worth pointing out that, like, specifically with the Morrison as Prime Minister government, they, they went to the Madrid Climate Summit, which is only a couple of years ago now, and we had 100 countries officially challenge us on mm. our use of carbon credits, or rollover credits, before we put forward that um, idea and that motion publicly, literally no other country in the world was publicly talking about using them. We got yeah. to the Madrid Climate Summit and fucking Brazil and Saudi Arabia went, oh shit, Australia's doing it. Fuck yeah, we will uh, We will carry that over. I'd love to see how that went down. Like, you know, I, <sighs> when they say 100 countries challenges on this approach, did like 100 like representatives from countries like back Scott Morrison into a corner and say, hey, it fuck sucked. up. <laughs> <laughs> Suck the blur. This is an outrage. Yeah, we're actively trying to destabilize global climate accords. The UN also accused us of cheating, which like <laughs> like when 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 Tony Abbott was told that we're breaking like human we were abusing human rights and torturing people and like we're sick of being lectured to by the UN. That was egregious cuz like dude, we're committing yeah. like human human rights violations. But this yeah, one was the, the UN being like you're going against the rules and Morrison's like haha, loophole motherfuckers. <laughs> that <Yeah>. sucks. That's <laughs> Turns out I mean, that's like the process of the UN at the moment anyway. They can just call you a lie and you can be like, "Eh, I guess you okay. got to do what you got to do." 
That's the thing is that like Scott Morrison's like, yeah, hey, guess what? We're going to uh, increase our fossil fuel emissions. <laughs> and uh, what are you going to do? Invade us? You're going to bomb Australia because we're putting out too much climate? Like, what? Oh, we're cheating? Oh, no. Like Scott Morrison, like getting yelled at by a hundred countries and him not feeling like any embarrassment or chagrin yeah, over see, that. He's just like, like, look at every hundred country that I have pissed off. This is goals hit. I love it. Oh, looks like looks like all these haters don't recognise that I'm <laughs> killing it. <laughs> Man, you're the Prime Minister, cunt. What the fuck? Who, who pays my salary? Is it you guys or is it the Minerals Council? <laughs> I think it's the Minerals Council. I want to yeah. point out that the, the Paris Agreement um, is where all the countries are trying to attempt to limit global warming to two degrees or maybe even 1.5. Um, and both of those are really, really, like... Those are bad things. We're, we're hitting about one right now when you're seeing the shit that's going down. At 1.5 or 2 degrees, you're living in a nasty world. So the Paris Agreement that we're not meeting is still not good enough. How much would 1.5 change things in terms of like, is that an increase in natural disasters or? Yeah. Yeah. Just every increase in temperature increases your likelihood of hurricanes, fires, just droughts, horrible things. So right. because it does spike up and down a bunch and it just does vary from place to place. They reckon uh, that Australia, when we were having those bad bushfires, was about 1.5 degrees warmer than it it, it sort of should normally be. So that's, that's a little taster. We had a little taster of a 1.5 degree world. Um, but right. but currently, on average, the world is about one degree warmer than it should be. I think, Lang, sorry to sorry to <clears> jump <throat> in here, though, but yeah. I think what Evie was mostly concerned about was GDP. What does that <laughs> <laughs> look like for the economy? Got me there. The thing that... The thing that gets me about the Paris, like, two degrees thing is it's just this classic thing of, like, as soon as you put a number on something, mm. that number becomes just the goal, yeah. Yeah. right? And nobody ever expects to hit a goal perfectly. And so, when we're like, oh, fuck, global warming's happening, everything's going to get wrecked, we've got to limit the warming as much as we can, otherwise we're destroyed. And mm. everyone's like, scientists, tell us, like, the worst warming we could possibly have before things are so bad. <clears throat> and they're like... Oh, God, I mean, like, if we hit two degrees, we're fucked. And they're like, two degrees, got it. Everyone, what do you reckon about two degrees as a goal? And they're all like, oh, I reckon we could do that. Yeah, okay, two degrees. And the scientists are like, no, that's the that's not the goal. That's the worst case scenario. No, no, two degrees. So the yeah. um the more recent fuckery that's happened, um, which, again, contextualizes everything we're going to talk about today specifically, is um, minor character of the pod and uh, federal energy idiot Angus Taylor, who was given Angus. access to the... Clean Energy Finance Corporation, which is essentially like a big green piggy bank that he's been caught with his hand in, like, like <laughs> the fat kid with chocolate smeared all over his face. And like, but instead of instead of it being chocolate, it's just like natural gas. And he's like, My family don't have any gas on their farm. What are you talking about? Look away. But <laughs> Essentially, what happened was the federal government under Morrison tabled legislation and they're trying to push it through to reclassify gas as a clean energy. Mm. So then the Clean Energy Finance Corporation can finance gas projects. That is not only monstrably obscene and immoral, but it's just like gallingly obvious and stupid. Like it's, yep. it's, it's moving the goalposts to the exact opposite end of the field. Like this corporation is for financing green projects. And it's just going like, well, we can't, we can't do coal because it's clearly dirty. So, 
But what if it wasn't? Yeah, but it is. Ah. They also invented it. It's literally like newspeak level shit. It's just yeah, it, completely it reinventing it. Legit. Um, and following on from that, just quickly as well, uh, listeners would probably be very aware of the COVID Recovery Commission, which mm-hmm. is ostensibly a commission put together to help Australia get out of a recession that was exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. But of course, what they did was they just packed it to the fucking brim with their fossil fuel mining exec mates. And they all just went, oh, gosh, gee, Darn it. Wow. Crazy. Turns out the only way out of a recession is with the exact industry that we all work in that we will give you jobs in afterwards. That's fucking wild. Cannot believe it. It's just the the gas commission. Yeah. They were even tasked with like only like they were like, look at every option available to recover from the from the uh, recession. Uh, Main options we want you to look at are uh, one gas. Have fun. So if you could get on that pretty <laughs> quick, that'd be... <laughs> yeah, they were told specifically to not look at certain renewables. They, for some reason, didn't look at things like tourism or entertainment because they have no soul and they do not... I don't think Twiggy Forrester knows what colour or sound really is. Like, I think he's just a pure numbers being, which is just like, my, my number. the numbers have gone out in my bank account. This is great. It's like, yeah, but what about feeling of feelings of joy or empathy? Is that, what do you mean? I don't... That's not compute. <laughs> also, the last thing to talk about before we really get into this climate roadmap is that the roadmap itself is, again, ostensibly what they're talking about, what they're lying about it being, is to help them get to a uh, like carbon neutral state around mm. 2050. Now, what's been supposed to be happening is that we're supposed to have hard targets for 2030 and hard targets for 2050. Now, that obviously has issues like McLean just pointed out. Like every other country in the world, especially every country that is in the Paris Agreement, you have to have targets so you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Which come with the problems that McLean pointed out. However, that is still better than not having targets. Now, like Mm. we said before, keep in mind- What are the problems that I pointed out? That having a target means that people can fuck around with a target itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- Fucking keep in mind again that Anthony Albanese won't even commit to a fucking target in 2030, so he has no fucking place saying anything about the Liberal Party and their failure to commit to a 2050 target. Fuck off forever, you useless cunt. But the Liberal Party will not commit to a target in 2050. They won't commit to a target at all, basically. They will not commit to a target. And their justification for not committing to a target in 2050 is because the roadmap hasn't come out yet and they want more plans in place. They have said, Hmm. quote, we won't commit to a target without having a plan in place, which is kind of like not committing to a destination before you decide how you'll get there. Yeah. Absolute fucking garbage. Where are we going on holiday, Dad? Oh, I haven't decided. We've got to pack the car first and then we'll (laughs) see how it looks. We've got to get on the road. (laughs) It's also a really easy target to... commit to because like okay two degrees of warming Mm. that's the target oh i can't commit to that right but that's the point at which everybody dies Mm. that's the end of humans oh i can't commit to that though like you can't yeah well surely everyone can agree that the destruction of human civilization is bad we should avoid that oh i'm not going to commit to opposing it uh, uh a target for australia isn't really um isn't a temperature australia itself can't really aim for like two degrees or something because that's a global thing um australia can aim for a level of emissions yeah um and but but the two things are obviously very correspondent because you can say okay according to the science we need to have this much emissions to hit this much temperature and it's especially angus taylor because this is his field he doesn't want to commit to anything because as soon as you commit to something you've got to say how you're going to get there and how much money you're going to spend and you have to you have to kind of follow that through with doing action. And this government is ideologically opposed to climate action in every way. And everything they do follows that point. So, 
They won't have a target. They won't commit to anything. They fucking hate renewable energy of every sort, be it wind or solar or biogas or anything. So we have this climate roadmap to nowhere. What really gets me is like we're in 2020. Any listener on this podcast would remember back in like the year 2000. I remember like, Mm. you know, there was like the debt jubilee. There was all sorts of like, you know, talk about, oh, we'll do all these guarantees. People loved having 2020 vision on their like roadmaps Mm. for everything at that point. And climate change was definitely one of them. And we're here in 2020, we're in the future, and fucking nothing has changed. We spent the last 50 years trying not to do anything. Piss farting about. <laughs> oh, hold on. Like, that's a bit, that's a bit, uh, that's a bit unfair. We spent the last 50 years successfully not doing anything, <laughs> like trying undersells it. We, we knocked it out of the park. They've had 20 years to make it, like, to make money off clean energy. Like, they could have all gotten into clean energy and making, like, shitloads of money out of that too, but they just chose not to. Well, the clean energy companies are different companies. Oh, they're different companies, but, I mean, like, they, they could have gotten into these, you know, spheres of, like, you know, profit mm-hmm. uh, profit to actually, yeah. you know, um, There's have more the money in renewables. Benefit. Yeah, they had 20 years. You can, you can, you can change what your investments are yes. over that time. It's really easy. Every economist at the moment will tell you it's bonkers to get into fossil fuels now. But these guys aren't doing economic. They're not even good stuff. economic managers. Yeah. Just before we kick on into the climate roadmap itself, mm. just something to keep in mind is that uh, 2050 is only 30 years away. Mm-hmm. Feel old yet? <laughs> <laughs> but the whole government right. will be dead by then. Give me a, give me one sec. I've got a, I've got a give me one sec. Hopefully. I've got a gag. Okay. <laughs> He's got a gag. All right, Lang, we ready to, we ready to get into the room? Yes. So let me explain this, Fred. One sec. Yep. Alrighty then. Let's crack on mm-hmm. with the government's roadmap. Yeah. I'm so, not being sober for this. Uh, <laughs> oh, you got a beer. Okay. Uh. <laughs> so, um, because obviously everybody knows if you want to reduce emissions, especially in Australia, you look at where your emissions are and you try to do something about that. So our emissions mostly come from energy. Uh, a lot of that's electricity. Also, a lot of that is transport. And then there's also a big chunk from agriculture, uh, which I'll talk about a bit later. But the easy one, the easy one is electricity because electricity comes to your house via a power line. You don't care where it comes from. You can plug any kind of power station on the other end of that, be it wind, solar, biomass, coal, gas. It all makes electricity pretty easy to swap out, you know, compared to changing your car or your agriculture. But that means renewable energy, and the government hates renewable energy. So you could reduce our exports. The vast majority of Australia's climate impact comes from being like one of the biggest fossil fuel exporters in the world. If we stopped exporting fossil fuels, you'd knock off two-thirds of our climate impact without touching anything that happens in Australia. It would be so easy because it's not even a big part of our GDP. It's like 5% of our GDP is two-thirds of our climate impact. Is it worth pointing out that both Labor and Liberal are united in their refusal to acknowledge the fact that we're responsible for the emissions for the fossil fuels that we export? Yes. It is worth pointing that out. It's not (laughs) counted in most of our emissions 
measurements. Yeah. I was going to say that like if offshore. we look at our uh, emissions, there mm. we're we're usually about like one percent of global emissions. But some exactly. estimates think that we 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 could be responsible. Our coal and our mm-hmm. fossil fuels, at least, could be responsible for about five percent of global emissions. Yeah, which isn't insignificant to get rid of. Yeah, it's this absolutely deranged take of us being like, oh yeah, of course we're exporting the coal, but <laughs> it's not up to us what they do with it. Yeah. It's like, what do you reckon they're going to do with it? They're not well, I mean, it. probably burn it. Maybe maybe they just want to bring it into their own parliament <laughs> yeah, and carry maybe, it around. And- maybe they'll lacquer it and pass it around like a pass the parcel for adults. So yeah, anytime anybody talks about reducing emissions, if they don't talk about ending fossil fuel exports, they're not serious because that is the vast majority. Like I said, that's two thirds of Australia's impact. All right, moving on. They don't care about that. They've decided the thing to do is technology. Uh, we're going to fight climate change using futuristic technology because the great thing about futuristic technology is it doesn't exist yet, so you don't have to do it. <laughs> you can just hope oh, for right. the best. I thought you meant futuristic technology like wind and solar, <laughs> no, 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 which no. we've been developing for the last 50 That's years. That's established amazing. technology. Yeah, dare to dream, McLean. Because the government, the government, this is this is the thing with the, like the clean energy finance and the fact that they don't want to subsidize wind and solar is they go, those are already established. They don't need our help. They can carry on. The private sector can do that, even though we've bloody we're fucking about with the private sector economy so much that nobody will invest because it's just a nightmare. Um, those are established technology. Wind and solar. Oh, yeah. Old hat. We want friggin' jetpacks and space lasers. Um, clean hydrogen. All right. So, <laughs> it's a climate technology roadmap and they've broken it into five parts and it's gorgeous because each of these five parts are just if you were trying to find like the least useful things to do about climate change these are great things so just keep in mind before we go through these one by one we're going to break down what they are and how they work Mm. and why they're useless this is at a lang's wheelhouse and we're big dum-dums so it's really good (laughs) the main thing to think about though is that when when we talk about it or when the government talks about it being a climate technology roadmap and these are the technologies they want to focus on Mm -hmm. they could have picked any technology. They, they could have picked, picked renewable energy. They could have specifically said, like, we're going to invest in a certain thing for solar that does a thing. They could have just mm-hmm. said, we're just going to look at wind farms generally. It could have been anything. And instead, they chose these five things. Yeah. So, the five things are hydrogen, energy storage, low-carbon materials, carbon capture and storage, and soil carbon measurement. Those are the five fists of Australia's climate fight. <laughs> um, is that is that the saying? The five <laughs> the five fists of Australia's climate fight. Yeah, points of the star. <laughs> um, the five points of Australia's climate shuriken. Yeah, exactly. No. And 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 it's easy to hear this because it is it is marketing propaganda. It's easy to hear this. And go, oh, hydrogen. That's pretty cool. Soil carbon. Great. Oh, low carbon materials. That sounds good. All of these things. You know, are like, yeah, okay, not bad. But when you actually look at each of them, they're fucking pathetic because half of them don't work. The other half don't work well and and some of them don't the even apply. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, there's, there, it's the third half of the five fists that we're fighting yeah. climate change yeah. with. Leng, what you're saying then is that they've managed to greenwash their own climate roadmap just by the, the words <laughs> that they've used. <laughs> Not even that. If you if you actually had a real climate plan and it had a list of like 50 things on it, these would be good things to have somewhere around 40. 
Okay. <laughs> but the top 10, you know, you, you want actual renewable energy. You want some kind of efficient transport. They haven't tackled transport here at all. I'm going to start with clean hydrogen. And hydrogen is an interesting one. And you'll hear about this a lot. And I want you to remember, every time you hear hydrogen, it is not an energy source. It is what? not. It is not an energy source. You don't get energy from the hydrogen industry. Okay. It's not like natural gas or coal or solar or wind. It doesn't make energy. It's energy storage. Hydrogen yeah. is like a battery because there's no naturally existing hydrogen. It's a, it's an explosive gas. It doesn't exist out in the atmosphere. It instantly gets destroyed and turned into water. So the hydrogen industry needs to make hydrogen using a lot of electricity or a lot of energy of some sort. That energy is now stored in useful hydrogen. And you can burn that hydrogen for industry or store it in a tank or do whatever. It's a handy flammable gas. That's all hydrogen is. And you can make it out of renewable electricity. You just put electricity through water. This is a fun experiment to try at home. If you've got kids. <laughs> if you've got kids or you've got an insurance claim on your restaurant that you want to yeah. pay up on, whatever. <laughs> Get a battery, 9 volt, car battery, whatever kind of battery you've got. Get two wires, stick them in a bucket of water. You will make hydrogen and oxygen at the exact explosive mixture. Um, that's very dangerous if you get too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, now, we're now being not good enough now listed next to the anarchist cookbook on, on iTunes. Uh, cool. Seriously, that's called electrolysis. We're just following the government's Trolysis. technology roadmap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just ticked one of the things off the government's electro <laughs> electricity robot. Now, you'll notice you haven't got new energy. You've used up your battery to make that hydrogen, but you've now got energy in a different form. Okay. Right. So, you can so make if you've got a bunch of energy lying around, mm -hmm. you can just make hydrogen, and yeah. now you've got some hydrogen, you can burn that later and get that energy back. Exactly. Which can be useful. And you can make it out of renewable electricity, plug it into your solar panel or your wind turbine or whatever, but... Importantly, as far as the government is concerned, you can also make it out of natural gas or coal. Which is what they're specifically saying they're doing in this roadmap. That's their plan. Because what they say is, hey, hydrogen has great potential to be a renewable energy source, a clean energy source. We should set up hydrogen infrastructure so we can do all sorts of, of industry and transport and energy with hydrogen. And that means we're going to need a cheap source of hydrogen. What's the cheapest source of hydrogen? Making it out of natural gas. We should do that. And then maybe at some point we'll make it out of renewables. So you're going to set up a new entire industry to fuel with natural gas to make a different kind of flammable gas <laughs> that's actually not going to be any greener. And, and it's going to be less green, in fact, than just using that gas in the first place because, <sighs> because converting energy into other energy always loses some energy. So you're better off just burning the natural gas. Is this a thing where they're just like, all our investments are in natural gas? Yeah. But we can tell. We can, we can, we can take the temperature of the room. It's going to be really unpopular to burn natural gas a few years from yeah. now. So we're going to burn it all now and turn that into hydrogen so that then we have a renewable source. But at least we burned all of the natural gas. It's serious we greenwashing. We do it anymore. Because people will say hydrogen is clean. When you burn hydrogen, it doesn't make pollution. Yeah, that's true. When you burn hydrogen, it doesn't make pollution. The pollution is when you make the hydrogen. Yeah, that's not that's not known enough. I didn't know that specifically mm. until we started doing this. And on your point as well, the idea of like we're going to be burning the gas, which is a fossil fuel, that's part of the problem, to make this clean hi this hydrogen later. And that, that doesn't burn dirty. Also, 
Why build infrastructure to turn energy into hydrogen from first Ugh. gas, then green renewable sources? Just yep. use the renewable source of energy. Yep. There is energy lost in transfer. It would be good to have it as a surplus, but we don't currently have an energy grid sustained with renewable energy anyway. So just let's focus on that. Here's the thing. If you were just using renewables to make hydrogen, I could get behind it. It does have some purposes. It's more transportable. You can load hydrogen onto a boat in various forms. You can't load electricity onto a boat. You can use hydrogen in various industrial processes. Um, it is, I, I reckon it's basically worthless in transport or residential. You won't be piping hydrogen around to your homes because it doesn't work in gas infrastructure um, that we currently have. It's very leaky. It's very dangerous. Uh, it's very hard to store and use. You need entirely different uh, equipment. It also, fueling your car with hydrogen is something you can do, but you need a whole new car. You need a whole new pumping system. It's just use electric cars, guys. That's way easier. So, yeah, hydrogen done. Any quick questions about hydrogen? Let's keep going. Let's move on. All right. Number two, energy storage. <laughs> it's different from hydrogen. <laughs> it's different from hydrogen. Keep in mind, yeah, this is this is the trickery of this thing, just briefly, is that mm. we're not picking these five points. These are the five points the government has decided to pick out. So, yeah, yeah, clean hydrogen could be nestled under energy storage, but they have decided to branch them out to look like they're doing yeah. more things while they're doing less things. They're fucking so, about. Point number um, two, energy storage. What energy storage. Now, the, mo- the, the brighter toddlers among you may have gone... What energy are you storing? <laughs> no, no. We're not talking about what energy or where we get the energy. Right now, we have no plans to make energy. We're just storing it. Okay, shut up. <laughs> we're, we're inventing buckets and later we'll invent water. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about what the liquids are until I've got the containers to put it in, mate. <laughs> energy storage is useful, absolutely. But it comes after the energy. First, you generate the energy, and then you, you, you figure out how to store it. Or you do those two things at the same time. But you bloody, you don't do the storage first. This feels like an appeal to Tesla and, like, all those <laughs> other companies who's like, sell these big batteries just to say, hey, we're just thinking about you just to let you know we're, you're in the roadmap. Yeah, and those things are valuable. They got that big battery in South Australia. It's doing good work, okay? Energy storage is really important, but... Fucking, you got to have the energy. you got to have the renewable energy to store. Right now, you're just going to be storing coal power or gas power. What if they stored the energy that comes from clean gas, Lang? No such thing. No such thing. <laughs> Moving on. But it's listed as a clean energy, <laughs> Lang. It's getting funding from the Climate Energy Finance yeah, Corporation. If it wasn't clean, why is the Clean Energy Corporation funding it? <laughs> mm. Riddle me that. Moving along, third one, low-carbon materials. Now, here they're talking mostly about steel and aluminium. Okay, they're saying... In our manufacturing industry, which does use a lot of energy, it is a very energy hungry, and especially making aluminium basically is just like chuck a shitload of electricity at that aluminium ore. That's how you make electricity. Steel is chuck a shitload of heat at that steel and some carbon from various sources. That's how you make steel. How do you make that low carbon? Because currently they're mostly running on fossil fuels. You're gonna need a uh, you're gonna need renewable energy, <laughs> but this roadmap doesn't cover how we might make renewable energy. <laughs> But that's the whole way you make these materials low carbon. You can't have the low carbon materials without the low carbon energy. You're focusing on the wrong thing. I don't right? understand this. This is stupid. So you'll, you'll notice here that we've got hydrogen, we've got energy storage, we've got low carbon material. All three of those need a source of renewable energy for them to be green. And that's what we're ignoring. 
Do you reckon the government came up with point three of the energy roadmap by typing in low carbon into Google? <laughs> being like, low carbon steel. Okay, Ooh, low carbon like concrete. Look, Honestly, okay, considering, the, considering <laughs> the other three points, like that actually makes sense that they're like, how can we tiptoe around the point and just yeah. get all these things that deal with carbon but not actually talk about the thing that's causing the carbon? And here's yeah. the thing. Low carbon materials are really important. Australia has like a huge iron ore industry. We've got tons of mineral resources. We've got, we we could have like an amazing low carbon materials industry, but you need renewable energy. Right. Because that's one of those ones where it's like, we can pivot society quite straightforwardly mm. to use a lot of renewable energy generation instead of fossil fuel generation. But if we're like, we've got to stop using steel and aluminium, that's a really, like, that's a much harder pivot. We don't have, yeah, no, like, technologies absolutely. that replace aluminium and steel. We need that still. Yeah, and we can make them carbon neutral. Um, we're just currently not because the industry that makes steel and aluminium all over the world is very old, very established industry, more so for steel than aluminium. But they're doing things in this quite old-fashioned way often. There are companies that are making low-carbon steel. It just means you use renewable energy. You use a different source of carbon. You can fuel it with hydrogen. If you've got some green hydrogen lying around, you can fuel it with all sorts of things. You can get your carbon from various sources. And that can be a very efficient way to make steel in a green way. In fact, these things can be incentivized with stuff like a carbon tax. But if we start taxing high carbon industries, oh no, that would be, that's a labor bloody idea. We don't want that. <laughs> Even if you ask labor, they're like, it's only the Greens that made us do it. We don't agree. <laughs> if you want low carbon materials, you're going to have to incentivize that in some way. You're going to have to disincentivize carbon. So that would be the obvious way to go. Anyway, okay, moving along carbon capture and storage i've ranted about this before we'll link the podcast that we ranted about this in the notes but it's not a thing carbon capture and storage is a red herring it's a lie it's propaganda it's an idea that sounds like it would n be nice like oh uh matter synthesizers from star trek uh whoa we've got 3d printers it's basically the same thing yeah except a 3d printer doesn't work that well to make a hamburger um <laughs> So, like, I <laughs> hear analogy, regularly like. that, like, um, like federal energy idiot Angus Taylor is mm. quoted as saying, uh, let's be clear, carbon capture and storage is already working. We've got it working mm. in Australia. We've got the biggest project in the world in Australia. So, he's Why straight is up that lying. Bullshit? I'm, really I'm really glad that he used that as an example. Um, Australia does have the, if not one of the biggest carbon capture and storage projects in the world, and it is a fucking fiasco. It does not work. It's called the Gorgon Project. We, we talked, talked about, about this. We before. argued about the Gorgon Project. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Chevron sent <sighs> this giant uh, natural gas plant, and they were like, "It's okay, guys. We're gonna we're gonna capture all that carbon. We're gonna store it." And the government's like, "Great, we'll give you so much money." Um, and Chevron's like, "Great." And and ten years later, they're like, "How's that going?" And they're like. Yeah, we didn't capture any of that carbon. Um, <laughs> sorry. Let's be clear. Carbon capture and storage is already working. We've got it working in Australia. We've got the biggest project in yeah. the world in Australia, and we're responsible for 5% of the world's emissions. <laughs> so, <laughs> clearly, it's not doing great. Yeah, so, so they had an agreement to capture a lot of carbon that they totally failed to do. So they actually owe a shitload of money because they reneged on that agreement. Um, and in fact, while it was running, apparently that plant released so much emissions that it should have been capturing that it cancelled out the positive effect of all of Australia's rooftop solar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. 
because fuck yeah so it actively made things worse (laughs) oh yeah oh it totally made things worse it was just it was just a giant gas plant um so here's the thing about carbon capture and storage. It's just used as a way to try and justify fossil fuels. You say, I'll build this yeah. fossil fuel plant, but we'll capture and store the carbon. And it goes, yeah. hang on, that's going to need energy. And they're like, well, we're making energy. Okay, so now your fossil fuel plant is way less efficient because you're using a lot of its energy to try and store that carbon, which, again, they're not doing because no one's successfully managed to pull this off because it, it, it doesn't work economically because it makes you less efficient. It costs money and energy. It doesn't work physically because it's friggin' hard to capture and store that garbage. And it doesn't work environmentally because you're still fucking <laughs> digging up and burning the fossil fuels. It would be more effective if the Gorgon gas plant just blasted yakety sacks out of huge speakers <laughs> just 24 hours a day. It would be more cost effective and would reduce more emissions. Realistically, here's what would be more effective is take all the money you were going to give to a gas plant that runs carbon capture storage and just build carbon neutral power with it. Just use that money to build renewable energy of some sort. You don't have to capture that carbon because you don't have carbon. Even just, just burn even, the money. Even just burning the money would <laughs> burn be, the money. have less of a carbon mm-hmm. impact. You print exactly. it out as $5 notes and burn it. Yeah, the, the government's running on a money capture and storage program. <laughs> <laughs> capture it and you storage offshore. This last one is called Soil Carbon Measurement, and I reckon no one listening to this is going to actually know what that even is, let alone how that helps. There's one listener who's just like, oh my God, they're going to talk about soil carbon measurement. <laughs> Here's the thing, and, and this is related to some stuff you will hear because the field of... Climate solutions is a big one, and there are a lot of different solutions. And a lot of them are agricultural, because agriculture releases a lot of carbon, because when you're fucking about with the soil systems, or you're cutting down trees, or you're messing with the natural environment, the natural environment stores a lot of carbon, because all living things are made out of carbon, no matter whether they're soil bacteria or plants or humans or whatever. When you mess with that system, and you end up with less nature, you've released that carbon into the atmosphere, and cows are farting... So, agricultural carbon, big deal, big problem, something we've got to solve. But it's separate from energy and fossil fuel carbon. Separate carbon systems, both releasing carbon, both contributing to the problem, but they both are separate and they both have different solutions. So, this is a solution to an agricultural issue, not an energy issue. So, with that out of the way, Soil stores carbon. Healthy soil has a lot of living stuff in it. It's got little roots. It's got bacteria. If you ever dig up a patch of really healthy natural soil in the bush or something or or in your garden bed and it's all black and it's full of, you know, all that good soily stuff and it holds a lot of moisture, that is soil with a lot of carbon in it. <laughs> Lang, Lang with a lot of Scott Morrison holding a lump of coal energy on the podcast yeah. <laughs> when it comes to blackened soil. If you if you get some soil that has been really mistreated, it's it's been ploughed up too much, it's been over-treated with chemicals, or it's just in a location like the desert where there's not a lot of life in the soil. If it's very sandy and dry and falls through your fingers and doesn't hold water, that's low-carbon soil. And so the issue with a lot of industrial farming on large scale is you plough it up, you fertilise it, you pesticide it, you kill that soil, and so that soil has now lost a lot of its carbon. If you leave that soil alone, or you replant it with vegetation, or you encourage, you know, healthy root growth and worms and insects and all that good stuff back into the soil, that soil will store more carbon. But it doesn't store it forever and ever and ever. It only stores it until you dig it up again, until you plough it again. It's kind of like planting a tree. When a tree grows, it stores carbon. 
As soon as you cut that tree down and burn that tree or clear that forest, you've let that carbon out again. It's not a permanent storage. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. And Did so I give you it guys seems just like... a big boring lecture there about <laughs> soil? <laughs> Welcome to the soil hour. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I still don't really understand it, but yeah, cool. <laughs> Did you tune that's, out? That's, <laughs> that's why they put soil carbon measurement into the roadmap, is they're yeah. like, people are going to podcast about it, so we'll make sure that there's a really boring yeah. one. <laughs> They'll go, oh, it's can't probably talk legit. about it entertainingly. No one would lie about that. <laughs> but so then, so what you're talking about is like the carbon that is in soil, it is an agricultural problem. And then in this yeah. technology roadmap, one of the yeah. big five pillars for Australians, fo- like mm-hmm. the Australian government, Focusing their technological gaze is on soil carbon measurement. We've got to figure out how to measure the carbon in yeah. soil. So measuring the carbon in soil, you know, if, if, if you want to have a scheme incentivizing farmers, because this is one that's aimed at farmers, incentivizing farmers to, to run their farms in a more carbon friendly way. So they're, they're maintaining soil carbon or they're restoring soil carbon. You've got to be able to measure that so that you can be like means testing. Um, so you can be like, oh, you've, you've, you've stored this much carbon, we'll give you this much money. Um, or something I just like had a vision of how this is going to play out. I'm going to put this down as my prediction. Is they're going to be like, we're going to be doing a big thing to encourage farmers to uh, operate in a, in a low carbon, like in a high capture and storage way. Mm. And they're going to check out all the farms and they're going to be like, all right, we've identified all the farms that are doing it really, really badly. And we're going to give them a shitload of money so that they can do it better. Yeah. And we're not going to check up on how that money's being spent. <laughs> and it's yep. just going to be a program that gives you money if you're bad at storing carbon. I will remind people if they want to go back to the um, episode we did on Angus Taylor, the what's the go with Angus Taylor, <laughs> you'll find out that him and his family own a lot of farms. Not related. And not they related to their any farms of this. really poorly. In fact, fact they have been found fucking criminally negligible with how poorly they run their fucking farms specifically the grass and the earth on their fucking farms all right so yeah mclean i reckon you might be onto something (laughs) and and probably all of those farms will also be in lnp uh electorates so they can give them some money um to vote for them now so so this isn't this part of the technology roadmap isn't aimed at restoring soil carbon it's just aimed at at being able to measure it a little bit more cheaply and effectively so that maybe at some point in the future, another 20 years down the track, we can do something about that. And this is kind of like if part of your roadmap was figuring out how to measure atmospheric carbon, which we, we did figure out pretty well in the 70s and 80s and is easier than measuring soil carbon. But that's step one. Step one, measure it. Step two, fucking do something about it. But, <laughs> and that's the hard step. Doing something about soil carbon is really, really hard. There's a, a kind of one of those nice documentaries that's come out recently. It's it's voiced by Woody Harrelson. It's called Kiss the Ground, I think, which sounds more threatening than it actually is. Um, <laughs> Woody Harrelson could yeah, never it's... be threatening. Have you seen Cheers? He's such a lovable himbo on that show. Like I said, I've been watching Cheers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kiss the Ground is this documentary about uh, regenerative agriculture, uh, which is something you might hear about a bit. And it is regenerative agriculture is looking at growing stuff in a way that is a bit friendlier to the earth and, and stores more carbon. But it's one of those things that I think can be a real distraction because it's like, it's a it's a solution to climate change is under your feet. But it's very important to note this is a solution to climate change. It is not the solution to climate change. And it is not a solution that stands alone. Because the best you can do when you're restoring agriculture, when you're restoring the soil, reforesting places, is you can undo the damage that has been done by agriculture. You can't undo the damage that has been done by fossil fuels. 
because if you restore all of Australia and all of the world to pristine natural beauty, the way they were before humans started agriculturing everything and burning everything and plowing everything up, you'd get all that carbon out of the air, you'd put it back to where it was. But you haven't made up for all the extra carbon we've added from burning fossil fuels. So, any natural regeneration will make up our damage that we've done from agriculture, but can't make up the damage that we've done from fossil fuels. And we definitely can't regenerate agriculture and act that that means that we can ignore fossil fuels because that's just doing a bad thing with one hand while trying to do a different good thing with the other hand and pretending they even out, yeah. which they don't. <laughs> Such an evocative metaphor. Yes. <laughs> I ran out of analogies halfway through this podcast. <laughs> but so so those are the five pillars of technology mm. we're supposed to be looking at. And not only do they... Like, this is the thing that got me when we were researching for this pod. They don't talk at all about where energy is being generated. No. That's the main thing. What we currently have is energy made by fossil fuels. And mm. the main thing we need to do is to start making energy from renewable sources. Yeah. It's crazy how much they avoid the point. Yeah. To summarize these, the hydrogen, energy storage, low carbon materials, they all need renewables. They're worthless without renewables or, you know, zero carbon energy. Carbon capture and storage, it's just a fig leaf for the fossil fuel industry. It's just a way to justify more gas. It's an illusion. And soil carbon is a tiny baby step in regenerative agriculture. And so all five of these, they're pissing in the wind, basically, unless you actually stop digging up your carbon and start incentivizing renewable technology. The other thing to note about these um, five pillars is that there is nowhere in the roadmap and nothing in official statements which actually goes to explain why these technologies were chosen. Yeah. Now, McLean has made some pretty bold predictions, which is pretty far out. Man. I don't know. I don't know if people who are friendly to the Liberal Party will get money. Is is that's a pretty radical claim, man? Um, but this I'm taking my reputation out of it. <laughs> but they, this, this is the thing. They they did not. They didn't even bother to get out in front of this and say why these five technologies were chosen to be the focus over any sort of renewable technology. But they didn't even say why they were chosen at all. They're just the mm. ones that were chosen. This this is a this is a paragraph from The Guardian which just sums it up and it's just it's terrifying. It is prescient, it is it is clarifying. But the quote from The Guardian is quote the statement makes a series of big claims, including that it is anticipated the technologies will lead to Australia beating its 2030 climate target under the Paris Agreement, help support more than 130,000 jobs, and avoid 250 million tonnes of emissions a year, nearly 50% of Australia's current annual emissions by 2040. No evidence has been released to back them up. We have absolutely nothing on this explaining why these things will help, how they're going to help, what they're expected to do, and combine that with the fact that they don't have a, a target in place for 2050. This is essentially just like a goodwill pamphlet. This yeah. is just like a, a, a distraction. When you think about it, like just for our, the benefit of our listeners, just thinking like why do they need to say it? Like think of any scientific study, like say for like a vaccine, you have to have years of background knowledge and research and everything put into it to say like to have the conclusions that you make and they've made some conclusions here 
they've alluded to clean energies. Like in that Guardian article, he, um, he's been asked specifically to explain what he means by clean and renewable and um, the capture statements. And he's like, well, I'm just referring to, you know, just all the emissions that we're going to reduce. And again, just doesn't answer the question. Yeah, yeah Angus Taylor, a, Federal Energy Minister, that's what you mean. It's a wish list. It's a, it's a vision board. It's something they've made up and gone, <laughs> wouldn't this be nice? And then presented it to us. It's the, it's the climate secret. What you put out into the atmosphere, you'll get back in money from your fossil fuel exec lobbyists. <laughs> this is related to a like a another report from from a little while ago where they had all of the different options for reducing our our emissions with all these coloured bubbles. It was incomprehensible, and then it turned out that that actually wasn't based on anything. The numbers, the graphs, the things they chose—they basically just made it up and they'd lumped renewables in with gas and they'd done all this crazy stuff. Um, they really do not give a shit about making any sense because any scientist that they would talk to or any any climate expert would say exactly what they've been saying for years, which is you're a pack of corrupt idiots. You need to do something about emissions. The ministerial reference panel, who were the people that are the faces on this report, established to advise the minister in preparation of this statement, are a great uh, bunch of, of people. We've got Alan Finkel, who's Australia's chief scientist, who... He just really seems to just toe the government line. He says, yeah, gas is pretty good. Ah, the government's doing a good job. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that guy, but I wish I could like him. But I, I know don't. what to think about him. Yeah, me too. He's a, he's a stooge. Um, but then, I'm, not, I'm not conflicted. <laughs> then they've got, okay, they've got a bunch of government people. They've got the secretary of the Department of Industry and Science. They've got the chair of the Australian Energy Market and CSIRO board member. He's an energy guy. Then they've got, the CEO of the Australian Gas Infrastructure Group, huh. the managing di- director and CEO of the Macquarie Group, which is like, what are they, investment and banking? Yeah. They've got the president of the Business Council of Australia, former president, sorry, of the Business Council of Australia. And then they've got the group managing director of Coca-Cola Amatil. Oh, my God. <laughs> this and is that's right. That's it. On, on, your, on your climate emissions technology roadmap, you don't have any Do they have anyone from Nestle people. in there? You don't have any climate people. I bet the Coca-Cola person is buddies with Nestle. You've got government people, you've got gas people, and you've got business banking people. And the head of Coca-Cola. Wait a second. Is carbon capture and storage just referring to, like, carbonated beverages <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a tin? <laughs> yeah, just Scott Morrison's a fucking dolt, and he called her up. He's like, well, we're working on some new can technologies or something. I don't know. Matt, I wasn't listening look, to Taylor. If they, could, <laughs> if they could guarantee, like, a tap of, like, Coke Zero to my house, I would be totally up for that <laughs> but somehow Evie's, Evie's happy to watch the world burn from her balcony so long as she can get Coke Zero piped in <laughs> fucking we need to update the infrastructure now <laughs> Lang's like no come uh, Coke Zero it's too it's too explosive it's too fragile <laughs> yeah that blew my mind when I saw that they're fucking head of Coca-Cola Amador on the that's emissions insane. technology roadmap. Like, what is she going to add? Well, like, she's in a big company. Everything's profit and economy to these well, people. This is actually something that you said, Lang, which I did think actually it really it really cut through for me when we were researching this was like Scott Morrison and his cabinet genuinely think that everything should be reduced to business speak and to mm. like not even the economics of it, but the marketing of it and, the, and running a business. So it just makes sense to them. It's like, well- Coca-Cola's pretty big. Why not get the head of Coca-Cola on to help with a big thing? It's like, no, they're yeah. completely fucking unrelated. Coca-Cola's also very good at marketing. 
I like to blow the tuba that says this is all capitalism, but they're taking the piss a bit with this, though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it, it really, the whole thing is just, we've given it way more time than it deserves. It's a nothing statement from a government that never has anything useful to say on climate change and is actively working against climate change at any cost. Um, and this is just the latest in a no surprise. Like, if they brought out something which actually had any research behind it or made any useful recommendations or predictions, I would be shocked, honestly. I would wonder what had happened. Yeah, I mean, there's the article out of the Renew Economy that pointed out that the government officials even conceded that the technology roadmap isn't based on any independent study. It's just departmental guesses. Mm Mm-hmm. That there's no evidence backing it. Like, even the sort of useless technology bullshit that they've, they've put forward for the climate roadmap, even that is not based on any study. No. It's just them sitting in a boardroom being like, um, how about low-carbon materials? And everyone's like, yeah, write down. And it's not like they don't have the information. We've done so many studies on this. We have, we have a lot of expertise in Australia and everybody in Australia, every, like, scientific body and, and economic body and independent group of any sort says the same thing they say friggin get out of fossil fuels it's losing money get into renewables stop doing what you're doing but of course they don't listen this whole gas obsession is amazing because it's the party that is always pushing themselves as economic managers actually working against economic advice (laughs) to the degree that the liberal party is is massively anti-socialist they're always like oh you can't spend public money oh we're going to go over budget they love gas so much that they are willing to put public money towards building gas infrastructure if the private sector doesn't do it themselves they go if if the private sector thinks that this is not profitable we'll bloody stump up and do it ourselves they won't do that with hospitals or schools or literally anything else the arts, universities, other sources of <laughs> energy. Yeah, yeah. Always worth, always worth pointing out when we get to the labor theory of value, which mm. I screamed about with the episode with Noon. But like, the government do understand that nationalizing things is good. They do understand that or you it can gets get those results. Things done. Yeah, yeah, you can get results from nationalizing shit. Um, and yeah, they have even recently gone so far as to say, like you said, we will own, we will put our own money, the taxpayer mm. dollars, into a coal fire plant, and we will have a nationalized, like gas fire plant rather. Yeah, if the free market, which will not get into it because no one in the free market wants to invest in fossil fuels anymore, won't get on board with it. It's 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 legit it's legitimately I mean it's legitimately mind blowing until you stop to think that there is a whole lot of ideology it's all ideology at play <laughs> like legitimately the only thing the only thing that is happening I I mean I think a big part of this is like in the same way that red meat is manly and veganism is feminine and so that's why you get like a whole bunch of regressive men just being like no nah, fucking I'm not gonna eat fucking just leaf eh? I'm mm. not a rabbit. Mm. I honestly think you've got like the the chuddiness of a Scott Morrison cabinet just being like, nah, fucking fossil fuel, we're gonna burn shit. I'm not gonna sit in the sun, fucking sunbathe for me yeah. energy. Fucking nah, man. I gotta get some. And the closest they can get is is gas. Th- that explains all like their attitude towards that that coal 
thing. Like it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Look, check this out. This is like, you know, and we're not wimps. Yeah, yeah. a big hunk of coal. Look at you big greenies. You're so spooked by coal. My take is this. If the free market's going to make something money, then you don't need to worry about it yeah. and you can just invest in that and you'll make money. If something's not going to make money and you invest in that, you put your tax dollars towards it and now you've got two things that you're making money from and everyone who's not in government only has the one. <laughs> I, I, I didn't quite catch that, but I'm sure it was bad. I'm saying it's money laundering. They're just like, oh. look, this is a thing that's going to tank, but we control where the tax dollars go, so we're going to invest in that and then put the tax dollars there because we say, oh, they're spending their own money, but tax aren't their money. It's our money. Yeah. Their money, yeah. their personal bank accounts are going up from fossil fuel investments while everyone else in Australia is going down. Done. That's the whole riddle. And and, and, and keep in mind, their, their personal bank accounts aren't being taxed either because, as we know from Malcolm Turnbull, they have offshore bank accounts in the Cayman Islands. Like, this is a, this is a racket <laughs> run by criminals who are engaging in money laundering with the fossil fuel industry and nothing I money. said there was libelous. That is all legit. Not our liberal, beautiful Malcolm Turnbull, Mitch, he, he had his offshore <laughs> accounts in the Cayman Islands just as a reasonable good version of that. It was all very above board. <laughs> was it Scott Morrison himself who said solar and wind are commercially viable and do not need subsidies? Yeah. Him, him and Taylor have said versions of that, yeah. Meanwhile, they're trying to subsidize gas, which implies they think gas is not commercially viable, which means it's not the economically sound thing to do, which means that their whole economic argument is stupid. Well, gas needs subsidies, Lang. It's the future of Australia. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> do, you, do you think it's, it's an uneconomical thing that's good for the environment or an unenvironmental thing that's good for the economy or it's good for the environment and the economy in which case it shouldn't need subsidies no language i think you're getting a little a little caught up in all this sort of science and and uh, reason sort of thing it, it it works like this we'll say anything that we want to make people stop asking us about climate and we get rich that's the plan yeah. <laughs> what's the what, it's not confusing and so now we're at what is it september already god no, this man, it's, we're literally recording it three days before October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, By the Jesus. time it comes out, October. So, we are heading into another fire season, and that's the ghost of climate future. The ghost of thousands of dead koalas. Oh, God. Yep. It's going to take them by surprise. It is going to take them by surprise. They have had pretty much a whole year. I know a few other things have happened this year, but you're a big government. You can, you can departmentalise. <laughs> You've found time to do all sorts of other stuff. They've had a big year. They had a ton of recommendations from, you know, fire departments and emergency bodies after Australia was burnt to the ground last year. Do you think they've done anything about those things? Of course not. Yes. Do you hear them being out oh, there no. talking about bushfires at all? They're going to pretend it's not going to happen. It's going to take them by surprise. And then they're going to go, it's not the time to talk about climate change. You heard it here first. Yeah, I remember... Uh, one of my most blessed memories, I'm forever thankful for this, that I got to argue on national television with Amanda Vanstone about <laughs> this exact fucking issue. But I was in Sydney when the entire city was blanketed and choking on the like burnt noses of koalas and, their, and, and kangaroo fur. And we were mm. all choking and we couldn't see the sun. And... Even she, like like a fucking company shill to the bitter end, was pushing that line of like, look, now is not... There are brave firefighters risking mm. their life. We can't possibly talk about fixing climate action. It's rude to do. Meanwhile, like, the firefighters are all out there being like, tell Scott Morrison to shove it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, the idea that the government can't do more than one thing at once just kind of is a really good anarchist argument. 
It's just like, all right. They have like five rots happening at a time. Yeah. So I think in much the same way that all of their policies were based on not thinking that they would be in power. Um, and then they shockingly won the election that they, they didn't even think they were going to win. Yep. I think a lot of their bushfire and their, cl- their, their bushfire preparedness and their climate change action policies are just based on this assumption that they won't have to deal with it. And every single time it comes back to bite them in the ass and they're going to have to deal with it. We've talked about this on the podcast before because increasing preparedness for bushfires and like, you know, the ability to put out fires would be acknowledging the fact that there is an increase happening. So Mm, investing in that, you know, huge helicopter, uh, sorry, the huge crane helicopter uh, that can put out fires uh, from California, that would be acknowledging, Mm. okay, we actually need to have this on hand all the time now. We can't rent it out every summer from the US because they're going to still have their own fires to put out. (laughs) Yeah. And that's spending the budget and you won't be in surplus anymore. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And that's a topic for another episode. (laughs) Lang, you mentioned earlier that hydrogen doesn't fit current natural gas pipelines and stuff because Mm -hmm. it it just leaks out everywhere. Um, But there's actually been a report come out that even our existing natural gas network isn't really suitable for even gas. Uh, So leaky. The report has shown that it's incredibly leaky. Sydney's natural gas network is constantly leaking methane in invisible plumes all over the city. Natural gas is bad when you burn it, but it is even worse when you just let it out into the sky. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think, 30 times worse. Oh, no, no. Okay, just, just quickly. So methane is a greenhouse gas that is so much worse than carbon dioxide, but doesn't last for as long. So depending on how you count, it's somewhere between 30 and 80 and 100 times worse uh, if you're looking at like a 10-year scale or a 50-year scale or a 100-year scale or whatever scale. But yeah, about 30 times worse is is a good metric. Yeah, so Sydney's natural gas network is so leaky that we're probably better off in terms of emissions to just constantly leave all of your burners on because then at least it gets burned instead of being emitted directly into the atmosphere. Don't take that Um, advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so there's this this horrifying article about the fact that like even unburnt natural gas is very, very bad for the environment. Um, But uh, there's this amazing quote uh, from Bryce Kelly, who's a scientist at the University of New South Wales, which I think is a quote that just illustrates just exactly the problem that we're all facing, which is like, Every time we talk about climate action, the government comes up with like, oh, we're going to do carbon capture and storage. Mm. Uh, we're going to meet our emissions targets for using, uh, you know, climate carryover credits, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Uh, uh, Bryce Kelly uh, from the article, this quote is, uh, the atmosphere doesn't lie. The atmosphere tells us we are not being effective with our policies. He's pointing at a line graph on screen showing obstinately rising levels of methane, carbon dioxide, and nitrous oxide over the past 30 years. Stop the rhetoric about emission factors. Stop the rhetoric about coal versus gas. It's just gaming everything. Look at the hard data. Until we get that going down, nothing else is relevant. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's very true. You can't lie to the atmosphere and you can't market to the atmosphere. And this is the whole thing, I think, is Scott Morrison and his government are all about spin. He's a marketing man. He thinks if he can fuzz things around and make up some cool names like job seeker and environment fixer and, you know, climate technology roadmap, that people will buy it. And people might buy it, but you can't market to the environment. He's forced to confront actual reality there and it's something he's entirely unequipped to do. 
there's this this like the, he's he talks about like hot climate hardliners and even Joel Fitzgibbon the um, energy shadow minister for the Labor Party talks about like climate fundamentalists occasionally mm. where they're talking about like oh these bloody climate activists you can't they refuse to budge and it's like no we don't refuse to budge the atmosphere refuses to budge we're not being you know, oh, yeah, we're refusing to negotiate. We're just looking at what's really happening. We we can't negotiate with physics. Yep. We're just talking about what's actually going on. And these just marketing fucks are just like, oh, you got to meet us halfway, though. <laughs> no, we we can't. It's not that we don't want to. They talk about Greta and ev- all the kids the same way too. They're like, oh, they're you know being indoctrinated by climate evangelism. But, you know, there's, yeah. there's really only there's not much there's not much to it. We're just simply saying what's sort of happening. Fundamentalism. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the kids are like, "We're going to die." Please, I don't want to die. No, get out of here with your fundamentalist, re- crazy, oh, come on. forward-thinking, reactionary nonsense. Ah, oh, I don't have to make sense. Yeah, exactly. What about GDP? Do you want to inherit a world with breathable air, drinkable water, and no fires, or do you want a world with solid GDP growth year on year? Huh? Think about that. 18-year-olds don't know how good they've bloody got. I don't think about the real issues. Not that we have those things. <laughs> there are climate deniers who are like, it's not happening. The whole thing's made up. And everyone's on board that they're climate deniers. But there are also climate deniers who are like, oh, obviously it's a massive problem and we need to do something about it, but we can't sacrifice the economy. And they're like trying to negotiate that halfway point. It's exactly as much climate denial Mm, as it is just saying it's not happening, it's not real. That's literally the same thing that's happening right now with COVID. That's literally the same thing where they're like, oh, yeah, well, COVID is still a crisis, but we can't shut down the economy until we sort this Mm. all out. It's because it's ideology, Evie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the coal fire of, uh, of ideology. <laughs> I think throwing it at ideology is even giving people too much credit. Like, there's so many people who are climate denialists because it personally enriches them and they're like, by the time the consequences of this hit, I'm going to be dead. Oh, yeah. So, whatever. Yeah. Some people are craven idiots and some people are smart craven people. And then there's the ideologists. Yeah. All of them should fuck off. Yeah, get out. this week in light of everything that we have talked about today I think this is a really really good opportunity to remind you again that it is very easy to change your bank and your super to companies that invest in actually invest in renewable energy and technology the way that that is more connected to our episode than usual though something to definitely point out is that the Morrison government is trying as hard as they can to ignore the free market. And the more people that go to companies that invest in actual renewable technologies, the harder and harder it's going to be for them to keep trying to fudge their way into gas and into technologies that don't work. So for real, change your super and your bank now. It is one of the only things you can do as an individual that has an impact for the collective. Yeah. I mean, apart from collectivizing. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that you can do is if you are near a group that blockades rail operations for Adani, get in on that. It's really constructive. Uh, Adani can't find contractors to transport their coal anymore because uh, everybody keeps just blocking their rail lines. And Adani have had to spend $200 million to build their own rail company, which turns out can still be blockaded if you're into that. So, yeah, uh, go lie down on some train tracks if you are able to, uh, but otherwise just keep an eye out for those groups and try and support 
support them, you know, uh, emotionally or financially if you're in a position to do that. It's, it's good stuff. It works. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. We would love it if you would share the podcast with your friends and family who you reckon would enjoy it. And we'd love to hear from you as well. Get in touch with us on the socials at notgoodpod or shoot us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Yeah, if, you, if, you're, if you're a big fan of soil carbon measurement, get in touch. Uh, <laughs> you nerd. No, if you're a big fan of soil carbon measurement, you'll know way more than us. <laughs> but get in touch anyway and tell us what we've done wrong. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.